I was thinking during one of the sessions uh, just how special marriage really is. For many of us, the, the person that we are is in many different places, many different scenarios. Many of us wear different hats. We're a worker, we're a parent, we're a son or a daughter, you're an aunt, your uncle. Many of us wear so many different hats and we can ride one of those hats as who we are. But it's truly not who we are. You may be an incredible businessman and you may ride that hat to a certain extent. At work you may be, right, a gran papi de la película or something like that, right? You're all that, you do all the business deals, you're the big guy, you're the big person. For some of the ladies, maybe you're at a certain club and you run it and everybody looks to you, you're the leader, you're the boss in that place, everyone thinks you have it all together. You are that girl boss that everybody wishes they could be. But a great question, and it's slowly getting to who we truly are at our core, is who are you at home? Who are you at home? Let's strip away the jobs, who you are at work. Let's strip away who you are amongst friends. Let's strip away who you are in your hobbies. Maybe you're the best whatever you like doing out there. Strip away who you are at church, your service at church, what you do at church, what you're known for at church. Strip away who you try to get people to think and believe you are in social media. Strip that away and we start getting to the core of who we are as an individual. Without the coworkers, without the friends, without the people at church, without the hobbies, who are you? And we start getting to the core of who we are when we see who we are as a spouse and who we are as a parent. If everyone out there in the world thinks that you're amazing and yet your spouse thinks you're a loser, what's the truth? Loser, loser right? Amen. <laughs> if at work, if in your hobby, right, if you're part of, I don't know who's part of those elk clubs, right? They're everywhere, right? But maybe you're the leader of the elk club. You're the, you're the greatest guy out there. But your kids, they can't stand you and they want nothing to do with you. Who are you truly? And truly, who we are as a person is who we are when we are completely alone with the Lord. That strips us down to the very core of who we are. But who we are to our spouse and who we are to our children, it gets us very close Gets us right on the line. God's word is the great mirror that reveals to us who we truly are. But a, a big help, your spouse. Your spouse really knows who you are. Your kids, especially as they get older, they got a better idea of who you are. And just for us to be honest, okay, Lord, this is who I really am. Lord, I want to be able to stand before you knowing that I'm your son or I'm your daughter, knowing, believing, having the faith, the confidence that I'm going to see you and having the confidence that I'm going to hear those words that many of us strive to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And just to take some time before we dive into the text to thank so many of you who are digging deep and building your lives upon the rock. So many of you, that's exactly what you're doing. 
That, that's why there's so many people here at the married couples retreat year after year. If most of the marriages were terrible, I don't think more people would be coming. The, the group discussions, everybody's yelling, screaming, throwing pens at each other. I'm not going to that thing next year, right? The lazy river we were going, the husband put all his pocket knife, popped her raft, right? I'm not going there next year, right? Because you are doing well, because you have a genuine heart to not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, more people come. And there's many healthy churches represented here. Your homes are intact, even though many of you have gone through some of the most difficult storms that life has to offer. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for that because your joy and your love for the Lord continues to shine and continues to encourage me, my bride, and so many within the church. Reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. It tells us, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. I think many of you are here, and I'm so grateful for that. Let's turn to Luke chapter 6, and we'll see Dr. Luke's account of this same portion of Scripture. Matthew, we read his account. Dr. Luke, being a good doctor, gives us a few more details, and I must say I do enjoy details, so we'll, we'll get through that. He says in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, and context is always king in scripture. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. And this is what Jesus speaks about before he gets into this analogy of two different builders and two different homes. He asks a simple question, why? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? I'm sure many of us have been on either the receiving end or the giving end of this conversation. You say, honey, if you love me, you would never do fill in the blank. You would never leave that toilet seat up ever again if you really loved me, right? Honey, if you really love me, you would do... X, Y, or Z, you would help out around the house. You would save the money. You'd stop going crazy on Amazon if you really love me, right? Or whatever the case it is for you. And Jesus here has a similar warning for us. If you really love me, you'd be obedient to what I have to say in God's word. Just because you label yourself a Christian does not mean that you are one. Even if it, you got a, a fish bumper sticker, even if everyone at work, even if all your coworkers say, hey, that's that Christian guy, that does not mean that you are actually a Christian. Just because you say you're going to heaven doesn't mean that's actually where you're going when you die. Just because you attend a marriage conference does not mean that he is actually at the center of your marriage or the foundation that your life is built upon. John Trapp, he says, there are those who speak like angels and yet they live like devils. 
They that have Jacob's smooth tongue, but Esau's rough hands. Again, it's just being a hypocrite, and being a hypocrite has plagued mankind since the beginning. Since the beginning. 1 John chapter 3, verse 7 says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, speaking of Jesus, is righteous. It's not about what we say. It's not even about our religious attendance. It's about what we are practicing and who we are obeying. What are you building for the kingdom of heaven? Enough of what you're not doing. What are you doing for the kingdom of heaven? What are you building for your marriage, for your children and your children's children? A great question here. I know there's lots, a lot of CPAs, a lot of CFOs here, a lot of people that know business and money. Question for you. Will my bank account change if I always tell people I'm wealthy, I am wealthy, I am wealthy? Will my bank account change? If I get a, a bumper sticker on my car and says, I am wealthy, right? And I slap that right on my 68 Pinto, right? Will, will anything change? Will anything change? Another question, will my bank account change if I visit my bank more often? I start swinging by the branch once a week, twice a week, three times a week. I start going to my bank branch. I even learn all the tellers by name. I know all of them by name. I know where the bathrooms are. I know where the snacks are, the coffee machines are. Will that affect my bank account? No. What affects my bank account is my actions outside the bank. That is what affects my bank account. This is what dictates my balance far more than what I say about my bank account, far more than what I, how often I go to the bank or what my bank attendance is like. And it's the same as our truth of going to heaven or actually being disciples of Jesus Christ. It's what we do outside of church oftentimes. It's who we are when we're absolutely alone and not even our spouse is watching. In James chapter 2, verse 19, he says, You believe that there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. You believe Jesus is a good foundation for your marriage? Congrats. The demons believe it too. Yet they're not going to heaven. And I love Jesus. He's being really kind to these disciples. His question is simply, why? Why would you do this? Why would you call me Lord, Lord, and yet never obey me? Why would you call me boss, boss, and yet you're never here on time, you never listen, and you never do the things that I ask you? Why would you behave in such a foolish manner? In Romans 6, 16, it says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey? whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Your master is dependent on who you are constantly obeying. That's who the master of my life is. If I'm always obeying my vices and sins and temptations, it's very hard for me to believe biblically that Jesus truly is Lord and master of my life. It's simply change your name or change your conduct. And Jesus' desire is that you would change your conduct, that you would start obeying his word. 
You already know he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Just humble yourself and just start obeying him. Just trust his word. Put his word to the test for 30 days and act as if God's word is actually the very word of God and see how it will affect your life. Again, you look at this conference. Where else have you been that there are so many happy marriages? Maybe some of you have been annoyed at it, right? They just love each other so much, right? What's going on here? They're always holding hands. Everybody's so happy. What's going on here? Where else can you get that? At your workplaces, are people that happy about being married? At your family events, are people that happy about being married? Why call him Lord and not obey him? Let's not just run away from here. No, let's just start obeying him. Romans 2 verse 13, it's not the hearers of the law that are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law which will be justified. It is he who hears these sayings of Jesus and does them. It is practical obedience. Luke 11 verse 28, he said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. We guard God's word. One of my favorites, James chapter 1 verse 22, But be doers of the word and not hearers only. He tells us back in Luke chapter 6, verse 48, he tells us he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. That word vehemently, I don't know when was the last time you said that word, it's difficult for me to pronounce it literally means burst out. If you've ever seen that flash flood or that dam that breaks and all of a sudden the water bursts out against a wall or against a building, that's what's happening with this storm. And yet because of this home, the builder took the time to dig deep and lay the foundation on the rock, the house doesn't even shake because it's founded on the rock. Is digging deep easy work? Is digging deep easy work? You know, if we're honest, sometimes we have activities at our house that we invite other people for so we could get some cheaper labor, right? But let's be honest here. If you have that Christmas tree, tree lighting party, right? What you're saying is, I don't like doing this thing by myself, so I'm going to get 20 of my friends to do it for me. I'll feed them some cookies and milk, right? It's okay. Or a house painting party. You're, you're having people over. You're giving them some free food. They're going to help you pay your house. Or the, the very often, would you help me move party, right? I'll pay you in pizza and gas. And hey, can I borrow your pickup truck while we're at it, right? But how many of us have had the audacity, right? Maybe our closest friends, you have a ditch digging party. Hey, I just want to invite a few of you over. We got to go 10 feet down here. In Miami, it's not going to happen. It is hard work. It is difficult labor and it takes time. But the beautiful thing here spiritually is that any of us can start doing it today. Any one of us, no matter how old or young our backs are, right? Or no matter how old or young our backs feel, any of us spiritually can start digging deep to lay our lives and our homes on the foundation of the rock. Any of us. 
All we have to start doing is start hearing his word and actually obeying it. Start obeying what we hear from the Bible studies we go to, from our own devotional time, from the scriptures that we read. You will instantly begin digging deep down to the bedrock to put your home on that foundation. The bad news for some of us is that just because you have been doing this work does not mean that you can stop today and just ride your prior success because the storms of life will continue to come. They will continue to come and that foundation spiritually needs constant maintenance. It needs constant maintenance. And that foundation, the only foundation that can withstand every storm in this life and in the next is Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation that our marriage can handle, even the great foundation of love and respect, right? I had good Cuban grandparents. They told me any good marriage is found on love and respect, right? And that'll get you pretty far, but it won't get you through everything. In Isaiah 28, 16, God says, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and whoever believes will not act hastily. 1 Corinthians 3, 11, No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us Jesus is the chief cornerstone it tells us that there is no one holy like our lord for there is none besides you nor is there any rock like our god in second samuel chapter 22 it's peppered all throughout there a song of david the lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer for who is god except the lord who is a rock except our god The Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. There's no rock like our God, and David could sing that. David went through many difficult storms. Let's be honest, worse storms than many of us have ever faced. Maybe you have a bad relationship with your in-laws. Has your father-in-law ever thrown a spear at your head? Not once, but twice, right? Has your father-in-law ever taken your wife away from you and married her to someone else? I don't know if you'd be here in this room right now, right? David has gone through the worst storms possible. His son departing from him, trying to take over the kingdom from him, sleeping with his wives and concubines. David has gone through the most bitter storms that life can offer, and yet he's saying, the Lord lives Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. John puts it this way in 1 John 2, 17. The world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. That's strong foundation. 2 Timothy 2, 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Not just those that say they belong to him. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You say you're a Christian. You say you believe in Jesus. You say that you're going to heaven when you die. Are we actively departing from iniquity and sin? That's the seal. That's the mark of a believer. Jesus is the only true eternal rock. 
He is the only fortress that we can run through, run to, no matter the storm, no matter the situation. And compared to him, every other foundation is sinking sand. Every other foundation. He's the only foundation that will get us through each and every storm. We're going to take a little bit of time here to see what are we building upon this foundation of Jesus Christ. And a little bit of a tangent here. Three pillars that I think are greatly lacking within many Christian homes. Just three pillars. Number one is biblical and loving confrontation. Biblical and loving confrontation. Scripture lays it out so simply for us. In Matthew 18, 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go tell your mom. No. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell your coworkers at happy hour. No, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you've gained your brother. You've gained your sister. You've gained your spouse back. You've gained your husband back. You've gained your wife back. But so often, instead of just telling our spouse, their fault, we sort of just stew on it, right? And ladies, if, if, if we're being a little bit honest here, you expect your husband that has been so foolish up until this point to all of a sudden have so much wisdom that he realizes exactly where he's been foolish. You should know what you've done to me, right? It, it doesn't say this in Scripture. Go and ask him, do you realize what you've done to me? No, go and tell him lovingly and kindly before you're stewing, before you're steaming, before you start getting into the argument and now you blow up and you start adding adjectives that are not true. You always do this. You never do this. This has always been the way it is. We start adding these things when we don't handle it biblically. Another pillar that's greatly lacking within many Christian homes is biblical and loving forgiveness. Biblical and loving forgiveness. It's all throughout the New Testament, but Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Let's turn here. This is an important one. Important one if you want your marriage to last. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. It says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. This is how we're to forgive. Take a pause. This isn't just for marital conference. This is for being a Christian, period. This is the way we are to forgive everyone and anyone, right? A common thing on social media and therapy, right? Church hurt, church hurt, church hurt, church hurt. I get it. There's a lot of bad people in churches. I'm one of them, right? A lot of sinners in churches. But are we forgiving one another even as God and Christ forgave you? That's a separate topic. Do you have to keep going to that church? Do you have to respect them or follow them or tell other people to go to that church? Not at all. But have you forgiven them as God has forgiven you? There's other scary scriptures that in the same measure we forgive others, that's the way God forgives us. And I don't know about you, 
I need a lot of forgiveness. I need a whole lot of forgiveness. And now within our marriages, are we forgiving our spouse in the same way that Christ has forgiven us? Does God bring up our past over and over and over again? And yet so often in marriages, something from 10 years ago, something from 5 years ago, something 30 years ago, you genuinely forgot. Because you forgot and you're forgetting lots of things, right? But your spouse remembers. That's not forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. The last pillar here on this little bit of a tangent that many Christian homes are missing is biblical and loving church attendance. Biblical and loving church attendance. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 and 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need to gather together at church, actual church. Not the beach, not the gym, not your fishing boat, not your own home by yourself with your kids and family. Look up the biblical definitions of a church. Is there church leadership? Is there church governance in your church? Have you set up these things? Because that's what an actual church is, a biblical church. And it, to me, it makes no sense. The, the moment I got married, I said, you know what? I can do a lot of dumb things. I can do a lot of dumb things. And I need Amanda to have a good group of ladies around her so that if I do something dumb, she'll have the right attitude and the right advice being poured into her. Where is she going to get good and biblical advice? At church. And yet many marriages go awry because they stop going to church. There's other friend groups that are not believers. So then you're getting advice from a bunch of unbelievers that are telling you a bunch of unbiblical things. And then you wonder, why did my marriage go down the tubes? You stopped being obedient to God and His Word. You started believing the lie that church could be anywhere. Church could be online. We could just stir one another up online. Right? Thank God everybody's here. No spouse said, you know what, honey, I'm going to stay in Miami. Just zoom me in for the marital retreat. <laughs> It'll be great. We'll have a great time. Get your waterproof phone. We'll go on the lazy river together, right? Just FaceTime me. FaceTime me going down the water slide. Woo, right? It doesn't work that way. You have to go in person. You have to plug in. You have to be vulnerable. And each of us were at a different place, but even as we see the day approaching, are not the days getting worse and worse and darker and darker? Even more so, we need to have biblical and loving church attendance. So now, what does Proverbs have to say about men and women building their homes? Let's look at one verse in Proverbs 14, verse 1. Proverbs 14, verse 1. And ladies, I'll warn you, I try to be a gentleman, so we're going to go with ladies first. But I promise you afterwards, we'll get through the guys as well, okay? So I know some of you may get angry with me, but it's in the Bible. So Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. It tells us, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. 
I encourage you to read Proverbs 31, but one commentator says this. Note the foolish woman. Her idleness, waste, love of pleasure, lack of all forethought and care. We see her house torn down in confusion. It would have been a sad result if this had been done by an enemy. But it is the doing, or rather the undoing, of her own hands. Sadly, there, there are some ladies, many of the ladies here, you are, you are building your home, you're building your marriage, you are taking it with pride and honor that you are a wife and you're a mom and you're a homemaker and I'm grateful, I know the Lord is grateful, you are pouring into an eternal work. Your job can replace you, everybody else can replace you, your kids, they can't replace you. Your husband, he can't replace you. You're doing something eternal every time you clean a dirty diaper, every time you're there feeding, every time you're cooking and cleaning, you are doing an eternal work. But sadly, there are many ladies believing the lies of this world, and they are listening to the advice from this world, and they are tearing down their own homes. It's not even the enemy doing it. It's not even someone from the outside coming in and doing it, but it's an inside job. So what does a foolish woman look like? Proverbs 9.13 tells us a foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. Proverbs 7 verse 11, she was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. Proverbs 11 verse 22, as a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. Proverbs 21, it pops up twice here. Verse 9 and 19, better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Scripture's plain, and we, we got to remember the author of Proverbs. If there's any author that knew women... And you, a lot of women, he had a big body of work to go over. It was Solomon. He had over a thousand women that he was romantically involved with. So he had many mother-in-laws as well. And it's interesting. He doesn't say here the corner of a housetop or dwelling in the wilderness is better than a contentious wife. I know some other versions say that, but that's not what it says. He just says it's better than a contentious woman. And I'll take a moment here, because this is something I think we need a, a grow in, even in our premaritals. We need to bring in sometimes the moms and the dads into the premaritals. For all the Jesus disciple mothers here and mother-in-laws here, if you're not aiding your sons and daughters in being obedient to the words of Jesus, in Matthew 19, verse 5, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, then sadly, ladies, biblically, you are helping destroy the homes and the foundation of your own children's lives because they're not being obedient to the words of Jesus. If you're constantly stepping in there to save them from every scraped knee in marriage, you're not helping them leave and cleave and work through these things together. Back to the wise before I get all the moms mad at me, right? Ladies, if the fruit of your life is constantly being angry, clamorous, which is being noisily insistent, 
contentious, which is constantly seeking to assert your dominance over your husband, biblically, you will be the one undoing your own home. Do you openly mock your husband? Do you joke around labeling him as one of your children? Do you constantly tear him down? You are tearing down your own home. Are you loud and rebellious, lacking discretion, and bringing out the privacy and the difficulties of your own marriage, and now you're labeling it out there in the public space with your mom or with all your friends? You are actively pulling down your home brick by brick. And like Jesus asked us earlier, why would you do this? Why would you do this? Matthew Henry, he says, those cannot dwell in peace and happiness that cannot dwell in peace and love. Even those that are of one flesh, if they are not in one spirit, there's no joy in their union. It is better to have no company than bad company. The wife of thy covenant is thy companion. And yet if she be peevish and provoking, it is better to dwell in solitary wilderness, exposed to the wind and the weather, than be in company with her. A man may better enjoy God and himself in a wilderness than among quarrelsome relations. And ladies, if this has been you, just be humble and, and repent. Hey, honey, I, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Lord, would you forgive me? And just start building that, rock, that foundation. Start digging deep. Now for the men, Proverbs 24, verse 3 through 4. It tells us, through wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Men, are you building your home, or are you destroying it, or running away from the responsibility of it? Are you increasing in wisdom and understanding and knowledge? Or are you the poster boy for foolishness, immaturity, laziness, stupidity, and a wasteful life? Who are you? In Proverbs 14.3, it tells us, In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Proverbs 18, verse 6 and 7, a fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Proverbs 12, 18, there's one who speaks like the piercings of the sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes help. Men, what are you doing with your mouth? What are you doing with your lips? Are you building up your wife or are you foolishly tearing her down? What are you doing? Are you using crass words? Are you constantly cutting her down? Do you think she's just one of the boys that you can make fun of all the time and it's not going to slowly but surely eat away at her? It's your pride creeping in. And perhaps you have so much insecurity, you're tearing down your own wife so that you can feel better about yourself. The wise man promotes health to his wife, health to his kids. And gentlemen, know what the Bible says. Whatever you do to your bride, you are doing to yourself, your own body, and the future of your life. 
If no one's there with you when you go through the last storm in life that will look like, if no one's there with you at your bedside cleaning your drool and wiping your poop, and it's because you were harsh with your wife, you, you deserve every minute of that random nurse coming in there and doing whatever they want to to you. Are you building her up? Ephesians 5.28, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, his flesh, and his bones. Men, are we nourishing and cherishing our brides? Are we taking care of them? Are we showering them with our love and support? Not when you just want sex, not when you just want to buy something, not when you just want to have a, a weekend out with the boys, but are you constantly loving her and affirming her and caring for her? Ephesians 5 verse 3 and 4 say this, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you. This, this is for all believers. Fornication, any type of sex besides you and your spouse here, it's fornication. Let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. But notice this verse 4. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks. Men, is our speech fitting of a saint? Don't allow the cultural norms of today foul your mouth up. Be the foundation that you're building in your life, digging deep and pouring into the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And maybe you're having a difficult time seeing in the mirror who you really are. Maybe you've told yourself, he likes it when I'm bossy. He loves it when I'm bossy and tell him what to do at all hours of the day, right? She loves it. I could treat her just like one of the boys. She loves it when we joke around and I call her fat and ugly all the time, right? She loves it. She loves it. I think a great way that can open our eyes to see the reality of this is, ladies, how do you want your daughter-in-law to treat your son? How do you want your daughter-in-law to treat your son? Treat your husband the same way. Gentlemen, how do you want your son-in-law to treat that little princess? Treat your wife the same way. I have three kids. I have a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a five-year-old boy, girl, boy. And my sons, they don't do well with bossy girls. They, they don't do well with bossy girls. Anytime a girl tries to be bossy or naggy or tries to manipulate them, they don't give in to it. They, they just say, shoe fly, don't bother me, and they keep doing whatever they want to do. And deep down inside, I'll be honest with you, I'm a proud dad. <laughs> I say, yeah, that's my boys, right? They, they go do what they want to do. My daughter, she doesn't do well with crass or mean-spirited little boys either. When other boys try to tear her down, other boys try to mock her or bully her, she tells them off. She tells them to her face, stop being a bully. You're being mean. And guess what? Every time, I'm a proud dad. I say, yeah, that's my little girl. And yet, for whatever reason, we creep into our flesh and we think, this is just who I am. This is just what my marriage has come to. Be wise and be biblical. 
Follow the scriptural mandates. Luke 6.31, just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. And think about what your wife enjoys, right? I love going fishing every weekend. So I'm going to take her fishing every weekend, Zach, right? And not the case. I love just going to the mall and just talking all the time, right? I'm just going to take him with me and we're just going to talk all day long, right? No, try to figure them out. Try to love on them and see what they enjoy doing. For back to the men here, Proverbs 12, 15 and 16. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. A fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. Proverbs 14, verse 16. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. Proverbs 18.2, a fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. Proverbs 28.26, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. Men, we can quickly just believe our own hype and just trust our own wisdom. It's very difficult for many of us to go seek wise counsel. It's amazing. We're serving in the young adults. Amanda's at a lot of these bridal showers and bridal parties. I go to a lot of these bachelor parties. And these girls talk about all these things, all this wisdom, all of the, everything, every area of marriage. And she's like, so what did you guys talk about? Not that much, right? We had a good time, gave a couple nuggets of wisdom, we played top golf, and we went home, right? It was awesome. We have difficulty being real and vulnerable with one another. Only a fool doesn't delight in understanding. Only a fool continues to believe, I think my heart's got this. I think my marriage is pretty amazing, right? Ask your wife if your marriage is that great. Ask your kids if your marriage is really that great. One of the key things for many of the men here is found in Jeremiah 4, verse 22. Here the, the Lord says, For my people are foolish, they have not known me. They are silly children, and they have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. Men, do you know Jesus Christ? Now, do you know about him? Now, do you know of him? Do you know him, as was mentioned to us in the guys' session? Do we know him? Because if you don't know him, you will become more and more foolish. Jesus is wisdom personified. Jesus is love personified. Jesus is sacrifice personified. If we don't know him, we will be so foolish. We will have no understanding. We are wise to do evil. We know how to do a bunch of evil things. But to do good... You have no clue. It's from a lack of knowing Jesus Christ. Stop always having your wife drag you to church and you encourage her and encourage the kids to go to church. Stop having your wife constantly nagging you. Hey, would you read the Bible with me? Would you read the Bible with the kids? Would you pray with me? Would you pray for the kids? Start doing it. We're quickly blinded by so much noise as men, if we're honest. 
Whether it's the video games, pouring your life into something that is not real. Not real. You're not leveling up in life. You're just wasting life away. Even the other people we cheer for, those sports guys, they don't care about me. It's fun to watch it. We relax doing it. But if your whole life is about another team or another person or another thing and yet your wife is withering away, it's a wasteful, wasteful life. Level up in something that is eternal. And the way you pour into your wives, the way you pour into your kids, you're actually pouring into something that is going to outlive you. And is there anything we want more than that? To have a legacy. To have a legacy. Hey, my dad was a this sports fan. My dad really liked that. Is that what you want them saying at your funeral? Oh man, my dad showed me how to love. My dad showed me how to be a man. My dad showed me how to love Jesus Christ. I'm the man I am today because of my dad. Is that what's going to be said of you? And if that hasn't been thus far, if you've failed up until this point, that's why I encourage men and women, start serving at church. Because maybe you blew it. All your kids are older. You can start having that spiritually with young adults, with youth, and with children's ministry. And then at your funeral, there could be many people there saying, man, I am who I am because of that man's testimony. I am who I am because of that man's testimony. We'll go back to our main text, Luke chapter 6, verse 49. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. On the outside, the houses, they both looked beautiful. One was even beachfront property, right? That's where I want my Airbnb to be at, right on the water. And yet when the storm came, it fell immediately. And sometimes we start playing with sin. We start playing with sin and we think, okay, I didn't get caught. All right. Oh, I did a little bit more. No harm, no foul. Oh, I went a little bit deeper. Hey, nothing bad has happened yet. And then the storm of life comes and you get swept away. You get swept away. And family, the storms and trials will come for both the man that built his house on a foundation and the one who built it on the sand. The storms and trials will come. They're promised to everyone, no matter who your master is, no matter what you believe, no matter the foundation that your life is built upon. The storms, they will come. The rains, they will descend. The floods, they will rise. The winds will blow and beat against your house. But the question is, and everyone's going to see it, will your house be standing afterwards because this is the hard part we do all the digging alone and in secret but all the crashing and burning everyone sees it the digging the hard part we do that alone we do that alone in our devotional life with Jesus hearing his word and being obedient to it but the great crash or the great standing everyone will see it's all dependent on what our house and our life is built upon. They'll, they'll shake us to our foundation, yet the man that built his house on Jesus Christ, it says his house isn't even shaken. And on the outside, you may both look just as spiritual. On the outside, maybe your church attendance is even higher than the person next to you. But are you obedient to the words of Jesus Christ? 
It will be revealed when the storms of life come. When you have that bad news. When you get laid off from work. When you have a bad day at work, a little baby storm. And some people, they blow up. The whole house falls down. Because they got your order wrong at Starbucks. And, oh, Lord, why you give me these battles, right? <laughs> the storms of life, they'll come. A car accident. An injury. Bad health. A son or a daughter passing away. A mom or a dad passing away. These are the storms of life. And depending what your foundation is, right? Maybe therapy is your foundation. Maybe it's respect and love is your foundation. Maybe it's you scratch my back, I scratch yours foundation. Maybe it's, hey, you do what I, do, what I tell you to do and then we'll have intimacy and that's your foundation. It'll get you to a certain point, but sooner or later, that house is going to slip on out of here on sinking sand. And David Guzik says, it is better that we test the foundation of our life now and in this life rather than later on at our judgment before God when it is too late to change our destiny. Uh, my wife told me a quote this week, eternity is a long time to be wrong. It's a long time to be wrong. I should have listened to that kid at, the, at that retreat, man. Look where I'm at now. Proverbs 10.25 tells us, When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. Again, family, there's only one foundation that gets us through the great storms of life, and there's only one foundation that will get us through every storm in this life and in the next. Whether it's a terrible injury, whether it's a death in the family, whether it's your spouse sinning against you and being able to forgive them. You, you, you put our whole house on what? You blew the whole bank account? You bet, you gambled your whole life on Bitcoin? Or whatever the case is, right? You went into a business deal with your cousin? Are you kidding me? But if your house is built on the Lord, if you're attending church, if you're able to talk to each other and have those difficult conversations with one another, if you're able to forgive each other biblically and lovingly, you will get through those storms. But if your house is not built on that foundation, you will slide on out of here. And then there's the one final storm in life that each of us will go through, yet we think about it so little. We think about it so little, and sadly, there are some marriages that we guilt one another. Honey, you, you, you can't die first because I'll never be able to survive without you. Is that biblical? You see, if our foundation is on Jesus Christ, even though that's, maybe that is the greatest storm in life, there are many men and many women that have had their foundations built upon Jesus Christ, and they're able to survive even their spouse passing away before them have we wrestled with the lord with that hey lord I, i'm okay with anything whatever you do to me whatever you do lord to my kids whatever your will is lord lord i trust in you but the the great storm in life is death itself and there's only one foundation that's going to get you through that storm the, the book pilgrim's progress it paints heaven as the celestial city. And the only way to the celestial city, 
The only way to see the lover of our soul, the only way to see the one who died for us, the only way to see the one who knit us in our mother's womb, the only way to see the people that we've loved, that have gone before us, that truly were sons and daughters of our king, is to go through the great river of death. That's the only way. The main character in Pilgrim's Progress, he's told, you must pass through this river or else you cannot arrive at the gate of the city. And as Christian begins going through the water, he's immediately overcome. He begins to panic. He begins to scream. The billows are going all over my head and the waves are going over me. The sorrows of death have totally compassed me. I'm not going to see the land that flows with milk and honey. And death is the greatest storm and the greatest step of faith that anyone will go through. And yet all of us have to go through. Yet Christian's partner there with him going through that storm. He says, be of good cheer, my brother. I feel the bottom and it is good. You see, that's the only way, as, as Luke 6, 48 tells us, a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house, it could not shake it. This house is literally in the middle of the flood. This house is literally in the middle of the waves and the roar and the storm, and yet it's not shaken. There's that great picture of a lighthouse with this huge storm hitting in. You see the light keeper of the lighthouse there in there. If our life is built on the rock that is Jesus Christ, we will be able to get through every storm, including the greatest storm that every single human being has to go through. He continues to encourage Christian. He says, waters are no sign that God has forsaken you, but are sent to try you. Whether you will call to mind that which heretofore you've received of his goodness and live upon him in your distresses. Family, I encourage you, build your life. It's us individually, but build your home on the rock that is Jesus Christ. It's the only rock that's going to get us through every single storm. And the only way we build on that foundation is not just hearing his word, it's doing his word. It's being obedient to it. Acts chapter 20, verse 32, it says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. If our life is built upon God and built on his word and built on his grace, we will be built up in this life and we have an inheritance awaiting us in the next life as well. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children, their heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. See, this is the joy that we have. We can be co-laborers with the Lord. Not only is he our foundation, but he puts on the hard hat and he says, hey, 
I'll help you out here. I'll help you out here. I'll help you build your house. Are you willing to take your cues from me? Are you willing to humble yourself and listen to me? And again, family, the encouragement is that anyone today can start digging deep and making sure their lives and their home and their marriage is truly founded upon the rock. Any of us here, all we have to do is humble ourselves and repent and believe that he is the Son of God. Believe that he came and died for us. He took our place. He took my sin and my shame. Believe in the Lord and repent. Trust in him. Trust that he's the only way to heaven. And begin trusting his word and you will be building your life upon that rock. Hey, if the worship team will come up, we'll go ahead and pray. Spend a little bit of time in worship and have communion together. Lord, we thank you so much, Lord. Uh, we, we thank you for just your mercy and grace towards us, Lord. Lord, how often I've been so rebellious, Lord. I've been so stubborn, and yet you're so gracious and merciful to me. Lord, I, I pray for every one of the men here, every single one of the women here, Lord, that we would just take that step of faith, Lord, that we would trust in you, Lord. We would trust in this great foundation, this cornerstone that has been laid since before time began. Lord, strengthen us. It's only a work of your Holy Spirit that we can truly trust in you, Lord, and we can truly dig deep and lay that foundation upon you. So, Lord, we just love you, and we thank you, Jesus. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.